Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are you all? Are you doing well? You're looking well. That's okay. Don't worry. It's, uh, good on you. All right, then. Let's get started. All right. Well, look, as uh, Naomi said, good to be here. The family's in the house. We're traveling as a group. Churches love to see us coming because we take up an entire row, okay? That's it. We, we fill a row, and uh, so it's happy days. We boost the numbers significantly everywhere we go, so that's good. Good to see you all. The big man's on, uh, it's on honeymoon with a lovely Anna, and so keep praying for them. It's hard right now, but keep praying for them. And uh, I'm seeing Facebook as much as you are. My goodness, it's lovely over there in Torella near Newcastle. I thought they would have been further afield, but never mind. Anyway, all right, today I want to talk to you about your super secret power, okay? Let's put that again, your secret super power, okay? That's a better way to put it. And uh, this is a power you all have, and it's a power that after this conversation, I pray that you will use more and more and more, and uh, you're going to see great things happen through it. Who wants to know what this super power is? Yeah, we do, because it's nearly Christmas and we need superpower. It's not what you think it is, okay? The secret superpower that you have that's going to make a difference in your world is the power of your generosity. Well, that's not bad, actually, okay. Oh, he's going to talk about generosity. Oh, there we go. All right. No, no, no. I assure you it's bigger than that. But we're going to pray and we're going to position our hearts after that great worship. And now we're going to ask God to continue to speak to us through his word. So, Father, we just, uh, we just acknowledge your presence. We're not going to pray for you to be here. God, you're already here. You're in the room. You've been in the teas and coffees. You've been in the car park. You've been there when we signed in our kids. You are there right now in breakout. You are there during worship. And you are here right now for the the preaching of your word. And so, Father, we pray today that as we sit under your word, we pray, God, you would change our lives. You would break something down. You would add something in. You would build something up. You would take something away. Do whatever it is you want to do in our lives. Because at the end of the day, Lord Jesus, we just want to be like you, to make you famous, to walk like you, to think like you, to talk like you, and to do what you do. And so, Father, we pray, help us in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about your Saturday morning, but Saturday mornings in our house have a predictable pattern. It is clean and tidy, the house day, straight in the house day. Anyone else do it on Saturdays? Or is it Fridays, maybe for some people, whatever it is. Anyway, I share the work with Judith, and uh, I don't want any men in any trouble here, okay? It's just how it works. I can't fix stuff, okay, so I can help with a hoover. That's it, okay? That's the trade-off. And so we have a hoover, we Henry. Everyone's got a Henry. We Henry Hoover. We yellow. No, not a yellow. He's red. What's yellow? He's red all day long and big eyes on him. Anyway, we have that Henry fella. And uh, the thing about straightening the house and, you know, and tidying and hoovering and all of that stuff... I like, I like it afterwards, don't you? But you see the first 10, 15 minutes, you have to work yourself up. I'm in a bit of a mood in the first 15 minutes, getting organized and getting started. And, uh, and so anyway, we started a couple of weeks ago in the living room. We, Henry, I was doing the landing. Our living room's upstairs, so there's kind of a landing there. And then it was in the living room, and we, Henry, was still in the landing. He wouldn't come in the door, okay? And so I thought I'd give Henry a wee tug. Ever give Henry a wee, a wee pull on the nose there? Uh, you do, surely. And he wouldn't come in, right? He was being a streperous that particular Saturday. 
bear in mind that I'm in the first 10 minutes of cleaning. I'm not in the best of form. So Henry was going to get anyway. And so I thought, right, Henry, do as you're told. Boom. And I pulled the hose and pulled it right out of his face. Okay. And in that moment, everybody, I had a little melodramatic Oscar-winning ah, to myself, okay? <laughs> I sat there in the... I, seriously, no one had died. Nothing had happened. No one was hurt. The world had not ended. But I thought I'd just milk this moment for all it was worth anyway. And I sat in the arm of the chair with a big long hose and Henry over there. And I said to myself, why does everything have to be a fight? Nothing happened, really, but I thought I'd just have this moment to myself. And in that moment, would you believe, everybody, God started to speak to me about generosity. And he says, Brian, that is the point of generosity, because there are some people in your world, and in this moment, it really is a fight. They're crying out to God, why does everything have to be a fight? Why is everything so hard for me? Why does nothing ever work out? Anybody? Come on, we've all said and had these thoughts, and there are people in our world, and they, they're thinking like this, and today there are people you know, they never say it. They're not posting that on Facebook. They're not have a badge in work going, why is everything a fight? They never know. You ask them, everything is fine, but when they get home, and this is where generosity comes in. Because when you sow your gift and your time, your talent, your treasure into the person who's privately screaming those things, it lets them know that their life has value and their future as a hope. I want to say it again. That their life has value. See, it's the power of being seen. Sometimes we just need to be seen, let alone heard. Does the world know I'm here? Does God know I'm here? And when generous people living through generous churches, worshiping a generous Savior, do you know what? It lets people know that their life has value, that they have been seen, and that their future has a hope. And if ever generosity needed a reason to exist, this is it. And you have this superpower that you can wield about you every day. It is the ability to add that value and to add that purpose to the life of another. And what makes generosity such an influential superpower is its two really important ingredients. Number one, effective influential generosity is unexpected and it is unasked for. How many people have received, upon the receiving end, let's say, of someone else's generosity out of the blue? Okay? A lot of you have. And because it was out of the blue, because it was unexpected and unasked for, if I was to ask you, well, what, what did you receive? Who was it? When was it? You'd be able to tell me instantly because it is that kind of influence in your world. William Barclay was a, a Scottish theologian, and he said, the finest gifts are given not when they are demanded, but before they are asked for. Isn't that amazing? So before we ask for it, something comes our way. And that's what makes generosity, everybody, so amazing. That's what makes generosity so influential. It is the thought that someone has a heart to give before those on the receiving end knows anything is coming their way. And for me, this is the heart of God Himself, who is the most generous giver of all. If we were to look at the, the nature and the names and the character of God, and we would have him on a spectrum of loving shepherd to righteous judge and all the ways that he is in between, 
we can refer to God in every name and every nature of His spectrum as this, as the generous giver. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, in our worst day, the Bible says Christ died for us. Before I knew I needed Jesus, God had already given the gift. Before I knew that I needed to be forgiven, God had already sent His finest gift. When I was stuck in guilt and shame and condemnation and had no hope and no way out, God had already sent ahead His finest gift so that the moment I cried out to Him, the gift was already there. Because while I was still a sinner, Christ made it possible for me to be born again in Jesus' name. God gives His finest gift, and the finest gift is His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ but it gets better, if it possibly could. When followers of Jesus give and are generous with the right motivations, and for me the right motivations is, like I mentioned earlier, to add value and meaning in the life of another, then the Bible says, and we can't get away from this, the Bible says that God blesses the giver so they can get rich and keep it for themselves, so they can bless again. We are rivers of blessing. We are conduits of generosity. Jesus is talking to the disciples and anyone that could hear him in the story in Luke chapter 6, again using a farming analogy, and he says this, give and it will be given to you. He says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, and it will be poured into your lap. And then he says, for the measure, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Some of you will be familiar with the Old Testament law. When farmers were sowing the, uh, the seed in the field and the, the crop would grow up, let's say it's corn, the corn would grow up, they would go to harvest the corn, but around the perimeter of the field, they'd leave some of the corn heads so that those that weren't as, perhaps as prosperous as the farm or the landowners, they could come in and eat and take off the seed and go and make bread for themselves. This is what Jesus is pointing to. Those less fortunate, they would come into the fields for the leftover seed around the perimeter with a basket. They would take a good measure of the corn, they would put it into the basket, the next thing they would do would be to press it down, because they wanted to make sure that that basket was going to be filled to overflowing so they could take away as much grain as possible. So they'd left a good measure, then they'd press it down, they'd put in another good measure, then they'd do this, they'd shake it together to get rid of all the air in between the grain. Then they'd push it in again, and they'd pour more grain so that it would be running over. It would be a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And they'd walk off with this basket. The Bible says that when you and I give from the right heart, that God in turn takes blessing and honor and favor. He puts it in a basket, as it were. He presses it in. He puts more in. He shakes it about. He presses it again. He overflows. But instead of taking it home, he pours it out into your lap. This is what happens. Then Paul goes on in his second letter to the church in Corinth in chapter 9, verse 6. He says, I want you to remember this. Don't forget this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Malachi 3.10, and the, and the topic of tithing, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven, the floodgates, not even a window, not even a season, not even just a little moment, an envelope through the letter, a, a floodgate of heaven. I can't imagine what a floodgate of heaven would look like. I'm not sure I've seen a floodgate on earth, but I would say the floodgate in heaven's pretty epic. I can only imagine there's pressure in behind that floodgate trying to get out. And God says, when you give, when you, when you give generously, I'll pull that floodgate away and whoosh. It's incredible. The Bible says there'll be so much blessing that you won't have any room enough to store it. What a thought. So, if generous giving is this superpower that's wielded by spiritful believers, that's motivated by adding value and purpose in the life of another, and it attracts the blessing of God in order that we can give more away, why is it then that generosity is something that we aspire to more than we act in? That's the challenge. I don't believe there's anyone in this room, anyone watching online this morning who will listen to this as a podcast later this week. All of us in this room have a desire to be generous. Anyone living to be tight? I'm believing to be tight. I'm believing to be miserable. That's what I feel I should be. Not one of all of us have this desire to do more, to give more, and to be more. But when the opportunity to be generous comes along, there's a fight. There's this kind of a battle. And we, we, sometimes this battle can kind of cause this disconnect from our brain to our hand. And here's the problem. We are, well, let me just talk about myself, okay? I'm not going to cast dispersion on you, but I know for me, I'm a natural-born taker. I'm a natural-born receiver. It's better to give than to receive. Really? I don't mind the receiving, to be honest. You see, if I was to look at a photograph on Instagram that I'm in a bunch of people, the first person I look at in the photograph is me. <laughs> I want to see how I'm looking, and then I'll look left and right. Would that be you? Because you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm blood-washed, born again, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I would not be that. Well, I'll tell you what. If you see yourself in a photograph, who's the first person you look for? C'est moi. It is you. There's still a part of you in there that's a natural born. It's about you first. Then we go left and right, and she's nice. He's nice. That's, but I look nicer. <laughs> so there. That's who we are. We are. There's a, there's a fight. But I want to tell you, you may be a natural-born, uh, sort of natural-born taker, but in Jesus, you're a supernatural born-again giver. And when the battle starts to rage within you, this is a battle in Christ you have already won in Jesus' name. Yes? Now, let me give you a couple of things that rise up in your head when you, when you think you, you can't give. First of all, we think, well, I can't afford to give. But that's because we think generosity is tied exclusively to money. It's not. I can't afford to give. Sometimes we think, well, that's being generous is for rich people. Let them get on with it. But how many people know the richer you are, the more you have to worry about? Generosity is silly. Look, people will think I'm silly. Why would I give? They think I'm daft. I'm not going to give. That's a good idea, but I felt this sometimes. You want to give, but they'll think I'm mad. I'm afraid if I give, I'll run out. And, this is, and I get this. 
I understand where this heart is because there are people, perhaps even people in the room listening online today that listen this week and they've grown up in, in a family or in a world where there wasn't a lot of stuff and so you kind of protect what you have and you carry that mentality into your attitude. And it's not that you're not a generous person or a good person or a hoarder by any means, but there's something in the back of your mind that takes you back to when you were 10 and dad couldn't do this and mom wasn't at work and we had a hard time and do you know I'm afraid of running out? Then there's others, maybe you think, well, look, I've been bankrupt. And I get that. Well, I, 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 I tried, I did all that before, and I, I got a lot of pain. So I'm making sure all my bases are covered, first of all. I get that too. Maybe we can think too as well, they don't need my help. It can be tempting to think that a person or a church or whatever you want to give in to, well, they don't need my help. Sure, look at them, they're awesome. They're doing, look at the car. They don't need my help. I could do with it. <laughs> But it doesn't matter. Because how many people know what I talked about earlier? There could be those private screams. Why is everything a fight? And you're feeling the nudge of God to be generous to that person. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, look, I don't know. Maybe they don't need my help. I was in a, in a, in a cafe the other day a couple of weeks ago having breakfast with a friend of mine. And there was two, two friends, that, uh, two girls over in the, in the corner. They were from Cornerstone, knew them really well. I'm having breakfast with my friend. And then the Lord says, in the back of my mind, this doesn't happen very often, He says, buy their breakfast. <laughs> Do you not know who you're talking to here? Mr. Instagram, me first what? Hello? Buy their breakfast. And I'm like, first of all, you're thinking, well, how many courses did they have for breakfast? <laughs> Did they just come for the coffee, or was it the full fry, like the big breakfast, you know, the ten or a head boy? Do you know what I mean? The ten pound of full job. Did they have tea and coffee as well? What if they had dessert? Two of them. I was like, well, do you know what I'm saying? And then I'm kind of thinking mentally onto my apple, what's on my app, and I'm trying, and this, this fella's talking to me about his life, and I'm like, uh-huh, and my head's going, breakfast? Did they have an extra egg? I don't know. I don't want to pay for that stuff. Do you know what I mean? And so buy their breakfast. I'm right, well, okay, I'll buy their breakfast. But this, I had this thought in the middle of, of, of all of this, thinking, well, what if they think that I think that I think they need their help? And I was having sort of illusions of their damaged pride going off in my head. Well, if I buy this, they will think that they think that I need it, that, they, that their clothes look sort of haggard and worn or something. You know, I was having this fight. And in the end, I just I got up and I paid for the breakfast, both of them and theirs, right? right? And then I, I left quickly because I didn't want to get the whole, oh, thank you. I didn't want, ah, right? So away I went. And, uh, and then I got a couple of texts later on. They were blown away. Their pride wasn't damaged at all. And I felt bigger and better. Incredible. There's all these battles. Listen, I want to remind you this. Humbug hurts. No Scrooge. Humbug hurts. It really does. Especially when you feel that nudge to do something generous, like a buy a breakfast. Didn't break the bank. But Proverbs 11, 24, 25 tells us the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me that in an age and an era or a season, let's say, of restricted movement and masks and lockdown. I'm ready for my life to get larger, are you? And the Bible says one of the ways that my world gets larger is that when I am generous within it. But, it says in verse 25, the world of the stingy and smaller and smaller and smaller 
And that's why humbug hurts. It's because every time we feel a nudge to give and be generous but kind of suppress it, our inside world shrinks a little bit. Our hearts for others tends to get a little bit smaller. And in a moment, you know, our, our joy gets smaller and our, and our freedom that we enjoy from idolizing our stuff just gets that little bit damaged in a way. So, what I want to do is talk to you for the rest of our time. We've got 20 minutes left. I want to give you three things, if I may, that could help you develop this larger world so that you could become a more generous person and feed off the joy and the blessing that inevitably goes to them through you, but also comes to you as the promises of God are activated upon your life. So, and the thing about this is, you can start now. You don't have to backdate your generosity. You don't have to backdate your tithing even. Now, this is not really a talk about tithing per se. It's really a, get, developing a generous spirit and a, a generous mindset. But you can start today. And the first thing that I want to talk to you about is this. I want to invite you and I to relearn the posture of generosity. To relearn the posture of generosity. Let me say this, that forgiven people are forgiving people. Yes? That's a good line. Forgiven people, they're forgiving people. Luke 6, verse 37, 38, Jesus says this, forgive and you will be forgiven, full stop, then he goes on to say, give and it will be given to you. And I want you to see it. Do you see it? Do you notice how Jesus plays giving just after forgiving? Why? Because Jesus knows that forgiven people, well, they are, they're, they're the forgiving people. The church people, they are the forgiving people. Do you know the, the Christian ones? They are the forgiving people. That church in Portadown, that Aria church, they are the forgiven people because they are a forgiven people in Jesus' name. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I want to encourage you to remind your faith of all that God has given us, even Christ Jesus Himself. And to help us, I want to read Ephesians to you, chapter 1, 3 through 7. And Paul is, you know, some of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible, of all of the New Testament. I'm not sure what Paul was in a moment, in the Spirit, whatever was guiding his hand, the hand of God, but listen to these words, the message version and it says, how blessed is God, and what a blessing He is. He is the Father of our Master Jesus Christ. And watch this, He says, and takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Amen? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are seated high above all principalities and powers at the right hand of Jesus. You are not in the world. You are above the world. Amen? You don't pray to heaven. You pray from heaven to earth. It's an incredible perspective that you have. You are seated high above all the melee, all of the stuff, all of the nonsense. You are seated with Jesus in the high places of blessing. Then he goes on to say, long before he laid the foundations of the earth, isn't this amazing? Blow your mind. It says, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Before the foundations of the world, before the Lord declared, let there be light, 
In his mind, he declared, let there be you. You've always existed to God. And if you are on planet earth in this moment, it is because you are meant to be in this moment and in this generation. Your arrival is not a mistake. Your life is not an error. It doesn't matter. Do you know what? There are no accidental people. There may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental people in the economy of God. Amen? Because you've always existed to God. You cannot sit there in light of this fact and dare to believe that your life has no value that I am not worth anything, I have no talent, and I have no purpose, because the Word of the Lord said, before God said, let there be light, He said, let there be you. And you are here, in this room, in this generation, in this time, in this family, with all your skills, and all your talents, and all your looks, and all the bits you didn't have, and all the, I wish it was bigger, and I wish it was smaller, it doesn't matter, you have it, because God has ordained it for you to be alive for just Amen? Then he said, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us. Not only did he want to make us, now we're part of the family. Adoption is not fostering, as good as that is. Judith and I, we were wonderful foster parents, I hope, years and years ago. But God goes one step further. He adopts you. You are legally His. He confers upon you all the benefits of the family in Jesus' name. Do you see it? We are blessed beyond measure. We have the gifts of the Spirit. We have an overcoming power. We have a new perspective. We have eternal life. We've been chosen before time began. We've been adopted before time began. You are the object of His love. The Bible says the apple of His eye. Chosen, wanted, and desired, and forgiven, and free from the past. You see, true, the posture of generosity does not begin with our hand out to give true posture of generosity begins with a heart full of gratitude to the one who has given you everything. That's why forgiven people are forgiving people. The second thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is this, to learn to believe in, in the produce of generosity. What generosity produces. Oh, what was it? Two, May, maybe? 2005. Judas in bed rest. Babies are in there. They're in here now. They're a lot bigger. 16. And out in the Galvin Hospital, that's where we were, Saturday night. And because she was on bed rest, I could stay in a bit longer visit. I think we had some food. I brought chips in or something. And we were just having chips. And Judith's phone goes. And it was Judith's Auntie Margaret. Auntie Mag. We call her Auntie Mag. Auntie Mag, never married. She was a midwifery lecturer at Queen's. Very tight family, just a blessing, just a wonderful person. Judith's aunt. And she phones. And Judith, there's Auntie Mag on the phone. Well, we'll see what she wants. Hello. And the conversation went something like this. She says, Judith, I've been thinking and praying about this. And you don't have to do anything with this. You don't have to take this, me up on this at all. There's no pressure but as I say, I've been thinking and praying about this. So this is what I want to do. I want to offer to come out of, out, of, out of my job and take early retirement. And I want to help you in the early days with the kids. Well, we were blown away. And you see, whenever you are 
you've gone through a, a quadruplet pregnancy, well, any pregnancy really, but a quadruplet pregnancy, the risks exponentially increase. And when you're never sure, you're trusting God, and you have all the Bible verses around the house, and you're believing the very best, but you know what? You're not, you're not oblivious to reality. And so you take any sign that comes your way. And so when this offer, this incredible offer from Auntie Mag came our way, we began to believe that God was up to something. We knew that if God was speaking to Mag to us about the kids, then you know what? Perhaps everything was going to be okay. And I want to tell you this, that we took Mag up on her offer, and for the next 15 years, she left Carrick to come to Eglinton every single week. The only thing that stopped her was COVID. You see, generosity has a way of sparking praise from those who receive it to God. Generosity has a way of producing faith and passion to the Lord. Because in these moments, here we are, I'm sharing about Auntie Mag to you, sharing about her generosity. We're praising God for her. We are thanking God. We are praying to God for her. That's what generosity does. When you are generous to someone else, you begin to create this momentum of praise to your God. People will say, I want to thank God for you. I have been praying for you. So not only do you, you get blessed by God for giving, you get blessed back by the giver of who you give to because they will pray for you and they will praise your God. Generosity has a way of inspiring not only those on the receiving end, but those in their world as well. Paul goes on in the second letter to Corinthians 9, he says in verse 12 and 13, he's writing to the church, they've lifted an offering for the other churches on down the road a bit in Jerusalem, and he says, this service that you perform, watch this, is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's overflowing. It's overflowing in expressions of thanks to God. And that's what happened. When Mag made that call that night, we began to overflow in praise. It wasn't like text you back, cheers, thumbs up emoji. It was like, what? That's amazing. God, you are up to something. God, you are a good God. God, you are with us. God, you see us. God, you're on our side. God, you are going to be there. You're providing. God, you're making a way. It happens when you're generous. That person who's screaming, why is everything a fight? Generosity comes their way. God, I've been seen. God, you hear my prayers. God, you are good. I want to pray for the giver. I want to pray for that person. Will you bless them as you have blessed me? When you are generous, there is an eruption, an overflow in many expressions of thanks to God. Paul goes on, because of your service by which you've proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and their generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Here we are, 2,000 plus years later, still being inspired by the overflowing generosity of others. Generosity produces more than we believe. And then the final thing, everybody, is this. I want us to understand the power of generosity. Generosity. 
It's a truly powerful thing. Let me show you something. You'll be able to see it, really. I don't normally wear necklaces, but this is it. It is a silver... Oh, come down. Sorry, camera person. <laughs> Just so you kind of get to see it. A wee silver kind of gig like that. What am I doing with my neck? What am I doing that for? You can see it. It's just that. That's all it is. There. You see that there? Just that. Everybody at the back? Okay. Sit at the front next week. There you go. There we are. Okay. Just that. All right. It's a little silver pen. Solid silver, okay? Because it's hallmarked with a wee line on the back of it. That's how you know it's solid silver. It's 98 years old. Okay? And it belonged to my grand, the Somerville. And he got it when he was 11 in 1923. And it came to me. And that's all I have from him. It's what you would call an heirloom. You know what an heirloom is? We get it. It's a gift from someone that comes down to you, relative, whatever. It's an heirloom. But it is not just an heirloom. This is a legacy. And what makes it a legacy is the reason for which he received it. He received this in 1923 for one full year's attendance at his Sunday school. Now, I don't know what sort of Sunday school prizes we're giving out today, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's not solid. One full year. Now, I'm going to be level with you. I don't know if Grand the Jim made it all the way with Jesus. But when his grandson is a follower of Jesus and a pastor, this inspires me to know that the Holy Spirit, who speaks to me, had at least one full year speaking to him. And it inspires me to live my life at another level. And this is what I want you to understand, everybody, and lean into this definition. An heirloom is an object that arouses a memory, but a legacy is a lifestyle that influences across the generations. An heirloom is an object, and when I see this in the drawer and beside my bed, do you know what this? It, I think of him. Then I think of why he got it, and it inspires me. It, it lets faith begin to rise in my spirit, because an heirloom becomes a legacy, and a legacy is a lifestyle that influences me, even though it's his from 1923, almost 100 years later in ministry, and in following Jesus, it inspires me to live a different level. I want to encourage you today, how you walk today is more valuable than what you leave in your will tomorrow. Jesus, talking with the disciples in Luke 21, 1 to 4, you know the story. He says, as he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw the poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. As if Jesus needs to remind us that it's the truth he's telling us. I'm going to tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people give out of their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. 
In other words, this woman made a decision in faith to be as generous as she possibly could. And here we are, 2,000 years later, being inspired by two copper coins. It's not the value that's left in the will. It's how you walk with what you have. Because an heirloom is an object that stimulates a memory, but a legacy is an influence that changes the generations. And so we want to make a decision today. Are we going to leave heirlooms, just heirlooms, objects that remind them of you, a little picture of you? And that's okay. You can leave half the house, the tractor, the farmyard, you can leave the jewelry, you can leave whatever, that's all good. But more than that, everybody that can hear me today, I want to encourage, don't just leave an heirloom, leave a legacy of generosity that influences your family forever and ever and ever and ever. Because I want to get to the stage where my kids have kids of their own, grandfather, maybe great-grandfather. I want them to know when their marriage takes a hit, when they're worried to do an ethical situation, I want them to know, I want them to think, what would Grand O'Brien have done? And having my picture won't ask that question, but living my life in this moment will, in Jesus' name. I don't want to live and leave just heirlooms. I want to live a legacy of generosity. Let me buy you breakfast sometime. End of the month, just. (laughs) I want to go out, and I want to live my life. So my kids will know, well, what would Daddy have done? What would Mommy have done? What would Granda have done? What would he have done in that moment? Well, I want to do that. I want to leave a legacy in Jesus' name. And you know what? You can start right now. Something simple, something small, something tiny. Worship team, you guys, you can get ready to come back up for sure. It was Halloween this year. Derry does Halloween at another level. No comment. Anyway, Ebrington Barracks Place, all redeveloped. They have a fun fair in there. We're walking the dog, taking over, okay? We'll just go and say hello. That's fresh air. Let's walk the thing. Anyway, over we go, and because it's a special event run by the city, there's security guards at all the entrances. Guys, it was lashing, like I mean bucketing. And there's a wee fella in a a high-vis jacket, hood up, and then another hood, and a hood for that hood, under a tree. He was just like water coming everywhere. And of course, every Christian's delighted it's raining in Halloween. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, soak them, Lord. Anyway, do you know what I'm saying? And so I'm walking the dog, and as I'm walking past this wee fella, I felt the Lord say, get him hot chocolate. Get him something hot. Get him a drink. I'm like, this is twice in a week. I'll be skint. He'll wise up, Right? Anyway, so off we go. We walk the dog through Edmonton, across the Peace Bridge, up the quay towards Sainsbury's, down the quay, over the Peace Bridge. And there's a restaurant that's kind of closed down, but at the front of the restaurant, it's kept a little kiosk open for teas and coffees. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to want him. He doesn't like coffee. Does he take milk? Does he like sugar? I don't know what to do. Then I thought, hot chocolate. Who doesn't like hot chocolate? I would not like hot chocolate in the room. You see, everybody's a winner with hot chocolate. And she goes, do you want the cream and the marsh? I says, put it all on. I don't know if he likes it or not. And I got him a wee bun wrapped for COVID protection. Didn't even touch it. It was great. On we go. There we are. Walked up to him afterwards, up through the thing, up through the courtyard. And there he was standing there. And of course, we're wondering, maybe he, he was going to be gone. We're like, maybe he'll be away. And that's another thing we thought. Maybe he'll not be there. Everything I'm trying to do is to get me not to be generous. He'll not be there. He doesn't like tea. doesn't like coffee. You break through. Anyway, I walk up, we walk up to him, and I give him this here, and he looks at us like we'd landed from Mars. 
like we landed from Mars. Like, oh, what's this? And we went and got around the corner, put the dog in the car, drove past. Well, I've got to tell you this. He was knee-deep in that hot chocolate. <laughs> he was getting that into him. Now, I'm telling these stories at my breakfast and my hot chocolate, okay? Just for one reason. Because I want you to think I'm fantastic, all right? No. I'm telling you these, okay, for one reason and one reason only. You can buy a hot chocolate. You don't have to go, here's the keys to the beamer. You could get there. But you can start with a hot chocolate. You can start by buying breakfast. You can start modeling generosity to your grandkids or your parents or whatever it is. But you can start today, everybody. You can start right now. You see, forgiven people are, well, they're forgiving people. Our generosity produces praise to our God. God is glorified when we are generous. Isn't that amazing? You get prayed for when you're being generous. Blessing comes to you because you're being generous. I'm telling you, try it. And then we have this invitation to understand that when we live a life of value and live a life of generosity, actually, a hundred years later, it's still speaking to generations that have come after you. My granddad died when I was seven. He has no idea I talk about him like this. He has no clue that how he influences me to this day. When he was 11, I'm 48. And my 11-year-old grandfather has influenced me now 98 years later. And I'm talking to you in Portadown in 2021 about my granddad who died in 1980. It's not narcissistic of me. But I want them talking about me 50 years from now and their grandkids. You should have known Grandpa Brian. He was off his head with hot chocolate. <laughs> he specialized in breakfast. What would they have done? That's what generosity, forget about giving. And I want my world to get bigger because I know as my world gets bigger, other people around me get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's how I break through selfishness. It's, it's the antidote to selfishness and sense-centeredness. It, it's actually giving. It's what it is. Could we stand? I have one more story I want to share with you. And then we're going to do communion and we'll pray and stuff. And how good is church? Okay. I just thought I'd ask. How good is church? Come on, is church awesome? We've got to love the house of God. Where else would you get it? Where else would you get this? I want to talk to people who don't yet know Jesus. And if you're here, you just went, oh no. One other story I want to share with my dad. You're getting the full family today. Granda, now my dad. I went home. I was preaching in County Kildare, Newbridge, Open Arms Church, three or four weeks ago. It's a four-hour gig from Daria Drive. And the first service was 9.30 a.m. So I thought, you know what, I'll break this up. So I'm from Bound the Hinch. You know what that is? And so my parents, sister, family, all there. And I thought, well, I'll do two hours from Derry, London Derry, sorry, to Bound the Hinch. And then I'll do the two bit on down from there next morning, early. 
So I was in the house, that night bag, my coat, and I get in there, and my dad's like this, in the kitchen. I'm, I'm not even sat down, bag, I, I'm just literally in the house. He's like, in the kitchen. I said, what's wrong with him? Do you need the loo? Is he all right? I says, what are you at? Do you want a coat? He says, what? Do you want a coat? I've bought a new coat, and I want to give you my other one. It's a good coat. It'll look good on you. I says, well, all right, I'll, come to, I'll, I'll go and get it. I'll go and get it. I haven't got my other coat off yet. It's just, and he's that excited. I'll go and get it up the stairs. It's just here. It's in the room. Up he goes. My man's going, he's off his head all day long. He's been waiting for you to arrive. Let him down gently, just whatever. He goes down with this coat. Put it on, put it on, put it on, put it on, put it on. Here, I'll help you. My dad hasn't dressed me in his life. Put it on, put it on, put it on. Do you like it? Go to the mirror. Go to the mirror. Go to the mirror. All right, go to the mirror. It's dear, you know, dear mirror. It's waxy, leathery thing. He calls it his bum freezer because it's cut there. It's my bum freezer. He says, right. But do you like it? Do you like it? It's lovely. It's lovely on you. It's very nice. There's a suit. There's a suit. It's gorgeous. Look at that. Go, Mert. Ring Judah. Take a picture. Send it up the thing there. Go ahead. Do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like it? Look, dear, you know, it's dear. Why am I that coat? Maybe I shouldn't give it. Do you want it? It looks good on you. I've noticed this, that when I go to my parents' house, I leave with more than I bring every time. It could be apples. Right now in our guides, there are two bags of apples. I'm not kidding. It'll be sweets. It'll be pineapple creams. Because I love them. It'll be all of those. I'll just leave with more than I bring. This time I was leaving with a coat. Because I've discovered that you cannot give my father. When you come to church, when you have a moment like this, when you worship, when you pray, when you open your Bible and your devotions, I want you to see the Father in heaven. Do you want some forgiveness? Oh, it looks good on you. I want you to have it. Would you like grace? I know you're sorry. Come on, let me get grace. I'll go up the stairs. I'll get grace. Oh, put that on. Put that on. Do you want hope? Hope looks great on you. Do you want new purpose? I, I, let me, I, let me put, that, put that on. Oh, it fits you perfectly. What about grace? What about a new life? What about a new start? What about eternal life? Let me give you eternal life. It's dear, you know. It costs me everything, you know. But I am your father. And I am the giver of good gifts. And I want you to have it. Forgive. I know you feel all out of shape. And I know you think it doesn't suit you. And I know you think you're not good enough. But I want to tell you my forgiveness. Oh, wonders there anyone. See, the Bible talks about when we come to Jesus, he takes off our old clothes and he puts on this robe of righteousness. And because of Jesus, it looks good on you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariatchurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.